It's uh, Monday morning, everyone. Welcome back to Kafaru Cast. Um, I'm solo today. Frank has been hunting too much, so he's getting caught up on paperwork. Uh, but I have uh, John Barklow with Sitka Gear on. Uh, I think this is your your third visit on here, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Everything kind of blurs by, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that gear buying time of year, um, and uh, also that question time of year where guys are you know kind of learning different systems whether it be sleep systems or footwear or layering systems and one of the biggest questions i get uh and and people don't maybe understand or have some confusion about is is layering systems so i figured uh john would be the best guy to get on here with me and uh, kind of go over the the methodology the thought process behind layering systems how they can change depending depending on where you're going and what you're doing um uh, as I said, John works for Sitka, so uh, if you don't like that, I guess you can suck it and just um, throw in whatever applicable uh, clothing that you like from whatever camo company you like. Because um, you know we're gonna mostly be be talking about the Sitka layering system um, and the different things they offer. Meaning when you're talking about fleece or puffy or or whatever. So uh, you you've done a couple of the uh rewarming videos which is what made me think of this to call you as i was having amy watch one with stephen drake and and adam uh yeah yonky um but why don't you explain the rewarming drills and the the concept behind that we'll go from there yeah so kind of rewind i don't know 15 years or so but when i was working for the government we were trying to figure out ways to educate uh guys in you know, what, what a technical apparel system is and what it does and how it works. Um, and we had some specific things we, we were trying to train to. Um, but, but one of the, I mean, I guess it was fairly obvious at the time, although we didn't really think about it, but one of the things it did is it, after you went through these, these rewarming drills, it, the confidence it gave guys that their system worked and that really no bad weather for the most part was going to push them you know, out of the, out of the mountains. Um, and, you know, we did a lot of work up to get to that point, trying a lot of stuff that was in the market, trying to design stuff and build stuff with different companies, um, for things, specific things we needed. And, um, so spent a lot of time in, in the field and, and quite frankly, a lot of time, um, kind of getting wet and trying to dry out and seeing what was the most efficient clothing system because if you think about it, I mean, really, all you're trying to do when you're out there is you're trying to manage moisture. You're either trying to manage moisture from the inside out, which is you creating sweat, which is either because you're moving too hard, wearing too much, you know, et cetera, uh, or you're trying to manage moisture from the outside in, from, you know, rain or snow or falling in a creek. So, anyways, we were able to develop what we call the rewarming drills, and there's, there's two kinds. So there's an active one where guys can get wet like you saw in the Stephen Drake Adam Yonke video uh, where they actually got in a creek. Um, I don't necessarily recommend people do that, but you can certainly take your base layers or your whole system and put it in a bucket, get it wet, wring it out, put it on. Um, and then the other one I did with the Eastman's was um, what we call the, the, uh, what the hell do we call it? So Dyn- like the dynamic rewarming drill. Yeah. So ones where, you know, so ones where 
you kind of get wet and you got to get back to your shelter or you can get back to the trailhead and basically you're going to walk your walk your system dry um the other one that i did with eastman's was kind of worst case scenario um which is i got wet for whatever reason you know in the military it was potentially you know dry suit failure or something like that um but but you know i got in the tent basically got right out of the icy creek got in the tent got in my sleeping bag began to eat generate body heat and um and literally, you know, the clothing system drives itself out with your body as the engine. Either one, your body is the engine. Um, and I know you've had, um, we've talked about, you know, I know you've had experiences where, you know, you get wet, you're, you know, you're stuck at 12, 13,000 feet, you're not getting out of the hills anytime soon, bad storms, things like that. But, but when you do these things, and I, I know you said, uh, we'll talk specifically about Sika, but in general, like, any of these technical clothing systems, in my opinion, should be able to, to perform one of these worst-case scenarios and uh, and keep you dry. Because well, what's the alternative? If I get wet and I bail in my tent at 12,000 feet and I take off all my clothes and put on maybe I even brought a dry base layer um, and I jump in my sleeping bag, the next morning when maybe the weather is good and I want to continue to hunt or I want to hike out to the trailhead, I've got this pile of cold, wet, potentially frozen clothes at the bottom of the tent that I still have to deal with. So it's kind of like you either deal with it now or you deal with it later, but you got to deal with it. So um, I'm, not, I'm not really sure I answered your question. I kind of rambled there a little bit, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot to it. And I, I recommend any backcountry traveler, be it a hunter or whatever, to familiarize themselves with, I'll call it the performance of their chosen clothing system. No, I, I I think you answered the the question to I mean enough to where we can get kicked off because what what the main question that I get uh, or questions uh, which I'm sure you get the exact same thing is uh, I'm going you know they give me the timeline of when they're going they give me where they're from they give me where they're going to and then they ask for a list of gear um, mm-hmm. of what they right, need. Yeah. Or they'll give me their list, which is usually so blown out of proportion, they could literally go from a 16,000-foot peak and then also hunt in the desert on the same trip because they, you know, they get excited and, and they usually right. overbuy. I'm all about buying super cool gear, but th- when when you talk about carrying it in, um, there is a generally for for a guy that's gone a lot and out in the field a lot, he probably has his general go-to system with a few twists and turns aside where he's learned or she to manage moisture off the amount he, that's his specific body type sweats. Like some people sweat more than others. Um, some people get colder. Like Stephen Drake is basically an Ethiopian in an albino body. He is, he has no fat. Um, no fat. And and he's, and and I could be wrong. There's always the, you know, the exception to the rule. He's going to get much colder than John Barklow because you have got a little bit of extra fat in there, which in a cold weather situation is good in my, it's to me, if, if you're lost, you want to be fat because you have fat to burn for hunger purposes, but you also can be. Uh, you're going to be warmer. How cold was Steven and how much longer did it take for him to warm up during that rewarming drill than it did Adam? And they are not that much difference in size. Just they're, maybe they're not that much different. I mean, Adam's 20 I mean, pounds. Just, 
yeah, maybe 20 pounds, something like that. But yeah, you're right. Steven didn't have any, uh, he doesn't have any body fat. And I think if I recall correctly, Adam was wearing synthetic and Steven was wearing the wool. I, I probably, I think I probably would have switched that out in hindsight, but yeah, Adam warmed up within, you know, once, once he got out, we started moving down the trail. I would say certainly by in 15 minutes, Adam was warm, coherent, felt that he had the situation under control, was mentally, you know, engaged. Um, Steven, on the other hand, uh, took off down the trail like a rabbit and literally, you know, ran down, came back up, ran down, came back up. And I want to say it was certainly well over an hour, maybe pushing two before Steven had actually warmed up and, and, um, and, and kind of was feeling like he had the situation under control. I mean, it was dramatically different. Um, and I think, I think, I, I think I'm correct. Adam was wearing synthetic and, and Adam or, uh, Stephen was wearing wool. So, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, you know, but traditionally wool takes longer to dry. Um, there was another thing I'll call out about that video that wasn't, I wish that we'd have done it a little bit better, but you know, base layer, especially, and you know, you and I have talked about it. Like when you're, when you're ordering gear, like you get base layer, I think one size smaller, to fit right kind yep. of form fitting yep um steven's just because he is in smaller stature you know i probably needed one size smaller so without it really contacting all of your skin you don't get the most efficient transfer of moisture so he kind of had that going against him as well but but yeah that one video was was really dramatic and i mean i've seen this so many times i knew how it was going to play out um but, you know, Steven was in, you know, he's in such good shape. He was able to keep moving at a high rate of speed that, I mean, I couldn't even keep up with them. I'm just like, yeah, just keep coming back so I know you're alive. You know? <laughs> well, um, you, you think about, um, well, I think here's where a lot of people get into problems. That, and we'll go into, this is a little off the layering system. When you are desensitized to it and it's, it's literally like wiping your ass, when you get into problems, mm-hmm. it's really not a problem because you know what to do, and you know sure you what, got experience. Yep, and you know what not to do to to get you into that problem. So, hypothetically, you're hiking in. This happens to us inevitably every spring, and we fall in a river because of the you know you've got the spring melt off. And I've seen guys go across logs that fell in where I'm like, "Yep, fuck it, I'm just gonna walk across the river, and I'm not even gonna try. I'm just leave my boots on." pants on i'm just going and i will figure the rest out later i'm not worried about it where you get someone that does that and they're gonna have they cross the river they fall in they get on the other side they got three miles left of of hiking in so they're cold from and and again this is definitely me throwing my two cents out so so fire back when i'm done they're cold when they get out and they take off immediately most people within I mean, anywhere from five to 20 minutes, that initial problem is, is gone, right? In, in, right. In, I mean, in theory, it's gone because their, their body core, their, their, their core is warmed up. They're, they're moving out and they get to camp. And, 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 and for me, immediately I'm setting up a shelter. And if there's two of us, uh, one guy's setting up the shelter and one guy's gathering to build a fire, um, 
you got to get mm-hmm. the shelter to get out of the wind. And if you can build a fire, you, you do that, obviously, to dry clothes and warm up and, and all the good things about that. Where I think a lot of people get into trouble, I, I think, they get there and they have this false sense of security that they are warm now and everything is okay. And in 15 minutes, they are fucked like a football bat. I mean, and I would say within 15 of no movement at all, they're in, in trouble. Now, throw back your two cents on that and what you think. Yeah, so, you know, I think you and I talked about it in the last podcast. I believe we said something about survival priorities, but... You know, so that would be getting in a shelter or seeking some kind of shelter from the wind. And that's where your flooring shelters, you know, are, are awesome because they pitch so quick. You can get in them quick. Um, you know, and then my, my, my priority, you know, after the shelters, you know, then you could eat something or get a fire going or at the same time you do that. The problem is, Aaron, that, that people don't, they don't think it's through. Yeah, um, I eat all so, the time, so I always forget to mention that, but that is vital. But I eat constantly, so I forget to mention it. But I think people. Yeah, so you and I are, you and I are probably a little different. I mean, I'm, I'm, I call myself a food camel. I mean, when you see what I don't eat in the field, you'll you'll probably be <laughs> slightly shocked. But, um, but 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 nonetheless, so it's a critical. So let me, I'll get back to that in a second. But you know, either so I either see it where they get wet, crossing the log, falling in a creek, et cetera, something along those lines, or probably a scenario that plays out far more often is they hike to the top of a ridge to get to a good glassy spot. They hike up there, they've generated heat, they get to the ridge, and they don't immediately, because they're warm, they don't immediately layer up with a puffy or some type of fleece, and then they get really chilled, you know, from convective heat loss or something like that. Um, My point is they don't, you have to think the whole thing through, right? And, um, And, you know, your body is the heat source. I mean, yeah, you're going to build a fire, but the best, the best engine you have out there is your own metabolism. And so, like you said, however you do it, however the individual is kind of built, you have to continually feed that fire um, to kind of get that metabolism. I'm a bigger guy. You know, my, my body mass puts off a little more heat probably just in general than Stevens does. Um, you know, so we got to do that. I mean, generally, if I go on a trip, and my pack's a little lighter. It's almost inevitable because I'm, I'm carrying less food. But I know what I need at this point in time. You know, I mean, I've done it long enough, just like you. But, um, but yeah, people, you know, you, you buy all this stuff, you want to use it, but now you got to know how to use it. And and that's where I think people fall short. You know, they believe, you know, they believe a marketing campaign or something they read on, you know, one of the websites or forums. But you got to go out and try this stuff before it becomes, you know, that great tag in your pocket or that shitty storm rolls in. You're like, fuck, I wish I'd have figured out if this stuff worked before, you know, before I got stuck in this situation. Well, yeah. And I think uh, let's circle back to the, um, you know, like the fire building, the metabolism, the core, the eating, the shelter. Let's circle back to that. Let's let's actually hit the. Uh, exact layering system and the concept behind it now um, because I didn't even think about it. We haven't even touched what a layering system is. So the for initially um, when I worked on a trail crew team, this was a long time ago, super young age, you know, 14, 15, not not really knowing, 
you know, anything other than, you know, you wore like a big cotton hoodie and some, you know, Carhartt jeans as a kid or Levi 550s or whatever the hell you were wearing. Worst system basically known to man, just a recipe to die. And then I started hanging around with guys that, you know, were wearing more, you know, in in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, the the best you could get at that time and kind of watching what they were doing. And inevitably, they would have three basic layers in rain gear. They would have kind of a T-shirt. They'd have a, like a fleece. They'd have some type of a puffy and rain gear. And, you know, me kind of uh, trying to mirror these guys, um, I was like, all right, I, I need to get this figured out. You know, the puffy thing, I'm like, what the hell is that? I never had one of those. Where's my, you know, black and red checkered flannel? That's all I need. Well, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. Well, so then in the in the military, you, you start to learn more. They have an acronym for cold, and it's, um you know, cleanliness, overheating, uh, looseness and layers, and stay dry, which is a bit you know, uh, of a blanket statement, but it's, it's very too, very true. Um, the cleanliness thing is, is sometimes out the window, stay as clean as you can, but you don't want to overheat, right? You don't want, uh, to start getting sweaty. Um, you, you want your layers to not be so tight that there's no heat, like, I don't say convection, but heat trapping between each layer. Um, and then obviously you're staying dry. You don't want to get wet. Well, um, for me, I try, I'm not a huge fan of Merino after that initial layer. And that initial layer is pretty thin for me. And that's more of a scent control. It just helps the funk a bit after yeah. that over time. And I kind of went down the rabbit hole of, of Merino wool. Um, I'll just say it for me. Merino wool past the base layer sucks balls on a backpack hunt horribly because it's heavy when it gets wet, it's heavy before it's wet. It's even heavier when it's wet. And I would say it takes five to six times longer as a guest to dry than synthetic. Um, so let's talk about the initial two layers. Why don't you go ahead and take over those initial two, the synthetic and and, uh, and uh, merino dynamic, and then we'll kind of go up from there. Yeah, this is like talking religion and politics at a cocktail party, right? Not advised, but people have such emotion behind the synthetic and merino thing and you know I've, I'm on record as saying I'm not anti-merino I'm pro-synthetic um, but I, I agree didn't Mike with Tyson you. say that he uh, I'm not anti-white I'm pro-black <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how he put it God I hope I just didn't quote Mike Tyson that's never <laughs> happened before but, uh, I'd have to work on the accent but um, but yeah so so let's uh, let's start from scratch so the base layer we talk about or what we'll call the next to skin layer is literally that, like the layer, the first layer next to your skin, you know, and think about that as the foundation of the house, like without a foundation or a good foundation, like literally the rest of it does not matter. And so you have two choices, really. You can choose synthetic or you can choose Merino. And honestly, it, it comes down to personal preference. Um, you know, we have a really nice, I think it's new this year. Uh, no, it was new last year, but a really nice new lightweight Merino. But, you know, I purposely chose not to bring any heavier weights of Merino into the big game category, uh, specifically because I just, I don't believe that they're, like you said, they're worth it after, um, after that initial layer. But, you know, there's a couple things. Some people sweat a lot and some people get really funky really quick. 
Um, and so maybe, you know, Marino is a good choice for them. Um, you know, we've got some, some different chemical treatments and other people do on their synthetic base layers and they've come a long way where generally speaking, I don't, I don't stink too bad even after a few days wearing synthetic. Um, but it really comes down to personal choice. For the most part, if I'm going out in the backcountry, I almost exclusively use a lightweight synthetic uh, against my body. Um, but again, some people choose to use Merino. I just don't like that. I mean, Merino's super comfortable and it does keep the funk down. It just just takes just a little bit more to dry it. And uh, I'm always kind of defaulting to staying dry. Um, you know, there's a lot of other pros and cons to each you know merino is inherently you know fire retardant it won't melt your skin um you know if you get an ember on it whereas synthetic will synthetic will breathe a lot uh dry a lot quicker so some people in cold environments uh specifically don't like merino or uh synthetic because they actually feel like they're cooling off like they're getting chilled and really what is happening is there's so much um, moisture moving through the system that they are they are cooling off a little bit because of that moisture transfer but it stops after like five or ten minutes whereas with merino you feel a little clammy and it maybe takes 20 minutes to dry so we're kind of splitting hairs it really is personal preference but that is in my opinion the single biggest and most important layer to choose is your next to skin layer and that includes your your underwear right so if you're not wearing long you know, long johns, long, long underwear bottoms. Like you got to figure out some kind of boxer of some type, you know, tidy whitey or whatever. That's, that's synthetic as well, or Merino. Well, so on the, the boxers, I have gone down the rabbit hole and back many times trying to get Merino boxers to work. And I've, I've gotten Uh to the point. I don't wear, I don't mind Merino boxers. The feel doesn't bother me. They're just two reasons. They stretch and uh, they become quitters. And I've got some some big ass thighs and no ass. So what ends up happening inevitably is up above my twig and berries where my legs kind of meet my torso, so to speak, they'll kind of get crammed up there and then they sag down my ass um, and look like kind of a lumpy ball of, oh, I don't know, um, marbles because the they've stretched over time and merino does stretch yeah. a lot and yeah it does so i've kind of gotten to where i just where i not kind of i just wear synthetic underwear anymore but the the thing i would say is my merino base layer is the fastest drying cuz it's a 140 weight so it's about as thin as silk like i mean it's it's super thin you get up into that 180 plus I don't I don't mess around with that for my base layer. I wear a super thin t-shirt. Um I mean that's almost a midweight when you start getting into the 180 plus type weights, you and, know. And, and that's where I see the violent um swings of emotion and the the church and state and politic religion <laughs> shit going on is okay, you especially with the some of the trad community you talk about like the I think it's sleeping Indian wool. You know. Yeah. There's a place and space for that if you're if you're hunting out of a tree stand. I can I get it. Um, I mean I don't do it, but I understand it. Um, 
you know, and again, we're just now, right now, we're just covering this initial base layer, and then we'll cover the layer after that of, of the fleece layer. Now, I kind of, since I do get cold, um, super easy, and I'm a super moisture management guy, and, and you and I have talked where you'll wear uh, that layer dry when you get to camp, or a lot of times I will pull that base layer off that's touching my body and just have my layer ab- above that on. Now, this is not decent mm-hmm. climate, and this is where people get in trouble, and, and I've had to make sure and correct my own statements. If it's horrible weather, I don't pull shit off. I just wear it dry. I mean, I'm talking bad, bad weather, but if I get up there and it's, you know, mid-40s, low-50s, and, and, and not, you know, pissing down rain and no snow, yeah, I'm going to pull off some layers and get them dry. When it's really bad weather... I don't ever pull anything off. There's no need to. I'm going to work it dry wearing it. Um, but when it's when it when I can, I dry off every layer I can. There'll be shit hanging all over in the trees, so I can get it dry. Um, it's not adverse reaction to my body while I'm doing it. Where I see people, well, I mean we we already talked about it once. This layering system. You've got your your base and your fleece and your puffy, however you do it. If you're not using that for moisture management, meaning the moment you get to camp, I'm either dumping one layer to dry it out and putting another one on or just putting one on because my body that has been producing heat, the moment that I stop and slow down is now not producing heat and I've got, I'm running on borrowed time. I have got 15 minutes depending upon what layer I have on the outside at the time before just me not moving or the wind kicking in before all that sweat and everything is now turned to the negative. It's getting, now I'm going to be getting cold. So throwing on a puffy, uh, which we'll get to in a sec, or a fleece in a puffy, depending upon how hard I've been hiking, is what I do immediately when I get to camp. Now, um, I don't, is that kind of go into how you do it? Cause I keep my, I usually take my base layer off and let it dry when I can. You always keep yours on. It sounds like. Yeah. So I don't know, quote the way I grew up, um, because I almost always wear synthetic, like I, I keep it on. And then when I get to where I'm going or whatever I'm doing, I'm immediately layering up. And I mean, I'm not going to put on a big puffy if it's 90 degrees out. I mean, you know, yeah, there's common some, sense. Yeah. Yeah, but at a minimum, I'll put like a watch cap on, right? And then some type of fleece or puffy to try to bottle up that heat that I've got and try to, like you said, capture some of it. People can people can cool off so quickly. A guy described it as he called it flashing off. But, you know, you get up there, you stop. It's always, you know, up high, it's always inevitably a little windy. You know, convective cooling will cool you off. And the next thing you know, you go from being hot and sweaty to just just shaking uncontrollably, right, from cold. So I tend to wear my, my base layers um, dry. So I always put something on over top and, um, and then just move around, et cetera. That's a good time to eat as well. But, again, it, it's, it's really... It's really personal preference. I think the most important thing is that you have that you have that solid boost layer on, or have something you know put on to manage that moisture afterwards, um, so that it's just a non-event. 
Like it just becomes a non-event. You get up there, you stop hiking, you set up camp, and you're not you're not shaking all uncontrollably, and and stuff's drying. And you know, like you said, 10, 15 minutes, you're moving on to the next thing, going and glassing or cooking dinner or starting a fire. You know, whatever it is. Yeah, and 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 these are the things you'll learn as you go out and and try it, which is obviously what both John and I are suggesting. You, you know, you get into the super ultralight um layering system um where you kind of gone past the point of of actually it being a a capable layering system in very inclement weather meaning you you are a a weight junkie and you are like an ultralight what i call a weight weenie you're going for the lightest layering system possible by the specs of what the layering system just weighs not what it does you can get your ass in trouble quick doing that. Meaning, if you lay, laid out the lightest layering system, meaning, you know, the the the, the standard. I wear a, a t-shirt in merino. I actually have a long sleeve fleece generally after that, and then I have like a core heavyweight hoodie. After that, I kind of I usually actually have one extra layer than most guys. I have a puffy, and then I have a rain jacket. If you weigh mm-hmm. out that. And then you weigh out the the standard system of of um, whether it be Sitka or someone else in, in in a good system, and then you weigh that good system that you know is tried and true against the lightest system on the planet. I would have to say that lightest system is what I would call a moving layering system, because that shit won't work unless you are moving. It is not a static system or a static layering system, so. You could put all of that shit on you have if you want, and you can't glass for more than 20 minutes because you're freezing. Right. I want a layering right. system that I can manage to do anything, whether it be sitting and glassing for three hours. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to be sweating my balls off, obviously, but it's going to keep me warm enough to stay behind the glass where you start to get into the ultralight layering systems. You can't, you're not effective when you're static, when you're not moving. Um, what do you What do you think about that? Yeah, so I like to try to build kind of the most uncompromising system I can build, thinking to, I don't want to say worst-case scenario, like I'm going to bring everything in the kitchen sink. I mean, this is based on years of experience, but, you know, I'm also out there to do a job or whatever that is. So, you know, as far as hunting, it's to find an animal and then to go and, you know, and try to kill it. Um, If you're not effective because you've compromised potentially your safety for a few ounces. Like where I see this is generally people that are, you know, relatively inexperienced, they're brand new. They're literally, you know, they're doing what they think is right, which is probably the same. I I guarantee I did it. Adding everything up and trying to, you know, be as light as possible. But, you know, you've compromised, you know, your safety potentially when the weather gets bad or at a minimum you've compromised the hunt because like you said, you can only spend 20 minutes glassing. Your mind's not engaged in really what you're doing. You're just thinking about getting moving again. And, um, you know, I think there's a, there's a compromise. I mean, I've gone down the lightweight rabbit hole and come back and, um, you know, at the end of the day is, is four ounces or even 16 ounces, you know, going to make or break me as I, as I go in, probably not, you know, probably not. Now, I mean, 10 or 12 pounds, sure, that's a different story, but but a couple ounces here or there for my safety and for the ability for me to be effective when I'm out in the field, like, to me, that's worth it. 
Well, and I, I did a seminar this weekend, and this came up, one of these, and somebody brought up, well, this one's, you know, whatever. It was it was puffy jackets, and, uh, you know, hey, this puffy jacket's, you know, three ounces, you know, colder. And I'm like, well, I've used both, and that thing's a piece of shit. Like, yeah, yeah it's great. It's light. I mean, but does it does it perform? And, and I'm all about... Um, you know, I stay as lightweight as you can, but it, it's the system's got to work. And so when you there's times that I do things that you might laugh at because I do get cold, not laugh at, but you'll be like, oh, well, whatever works for you, where I'll, exactly. I'll bring. Yeah. <laughs> well, like a, a, an example, um, not to pimp out Sitka too much here, but the Kelvin active jacket. Um, yep. I had multiple people get that jacket and say, man, this thing's just thin. I'm, I, you know, it's, it's not, you know, I bought, I got this to, to glass with. And I'm like, well, did you read the fucking specifications? <laughs> like, I, and I get a little bit irritated sometimes. I'm like, it's not, it's not meant for that. And they're like, well, what do you use it for? And I'm like, okay, here's my scenario. Okay. And, and this is anybody that gets cold can, can appreciate this. Um, I've got my, my t-shirt layer. Um, you know, and then I've got my, I'm going to list off the core heavyweight hoodie. I have the Kelvin active over that. And believe it or not, then I have another puffy over that when I'm glassing. So I've kind of doubled up my fleece layer more because I, I consider that Kelvin active more of a fleece layer than an outer puffy. And, and it's kind of a hybrid and guys are like, why do Absolutely. you do that? Well, guys are like, why do you do that? And I'm like, well, I've been freezing my balls off forever glassing. When I take off, I'm not going to strip down to nothing. I say I take that big puffy on and I keep the Kelvin active on. And 100%. let's say I don't have time. You know, you do want to manage your sweat. But let's say, you know, I'm, I'm spanking and craking at 12.5, hauling ass across the shale field. And, but I'm getting these gusts of winds coming up of 30 miles an hour where one minute I'm hot, one I'm cold because of of you know, my, uh, field craft ability, let's say I'm not as worried about sweating at that point in time. I've got synthetic on, I know I can get it to dry. My Merino will dry quick. It's so thin. Right. I'm not worried about it. So that puffy dries so fast. I'm not worried if that Kelvin active gets wet from rain or from sweat. I'm using it to stay warm enough. As I move, if I get pinned down, I've got that on. And then you know, hypothetically, I can hang it up. I can wear it. Doesn't really matter. I can get it dry easily. And then if I'm really like, like, like you know, cranking, right? Like I'm moving, the puffy comes off. The Kelvin Active comes off. I mean, quick. I'll just jam it in my lid. Doesn't really matter. I put it somewhere. I might even hang it half ass on my pack for the wind to hit it to get it to dry some. Now I'm down to a fleece layer and a t-shirt. I'm probably going to finish out the stock wearing that for the most part. If I get jammed up in the middle again, all that shit is going back on, and I do it in reverse when I take off again if I need to. Some guys would say you're crazy to bring two puffies, but not when you freeze to death. So that's a system that right. works well for me. Yeah, so I, am, I do almost exactly what you said. The only difference is I don't bring the heavyweight fleece. I go from base layer right to that Kelvin Active jacket, or this year we have a Kelvin Active hoodie. Because, you know, we've talked about it. I mean, you do get a little colder quicker than I do. So I go right to that Kelvin Active jacket. I can't tell you how many animals I've stuck and killed wearing either a Kelvin Active jacket or last year the Kelvin Active hoodie. 
just because the environmental conditions, you know, didn't didn't allow me to strip down anymore. But dude, I always bring a puffy. So the Kelvin Active jacket is kind of my go-to. Sometimes it's my only insulation. Let's just say, arguably, August antelope hunt, right? So not really going anywhere too far, and I can I can deal with whatever. But it might be a little chilly in the morning or evening. Um, but I always then, so I always take that, and then I'll always go with the puffy. And obviously, there's different kinds of puffies. And you know, at some point, we should probably at least because if we're going if we're going balls deep, we might as well talk about down and synthetic insulation as well. But but I always bring a puffy in. So yeah, I'm technically bringing two puffies as well. But dude, it works so well. It's so versatile. It's it's just incredible the versatility and the comfort range that you can get out of that. Um, yeah. So I I. I I pretty much do the exact same thing. Well, before we tackle the down and synthetic thing, which is another church, state, religion, politics yeah, yeah. crisis, oh, yeah. Jesus. Um, one of the things, too, with the Kelvin Active is let's say, uh, well, we'll use this trip I'm about to go on, whether it be fishing or, or scouting. Um, once I've I've backpacked in and the weather is nice, you know, and, but I've sweated my balls off going in T-shirt or, 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 or fleece or whatever, if I need to dry... Um, a bunch of crap out. So let's say I need to dry my bottom three layers, and my bottom three layer is kind of my t-shirt base, my long sleeve base, um, uh, and then, you know, my fleece. Let's say I've gotten all those wet, whether it be rain, sweat, and everything else, and I'm around camp. That Kelvin Active dries fast enough that I'll do the full-on Italian, you know, chest half-zipped wearing that thing, um, <laughs> drying my other shit out, just hanging it up from the wind. You know, I'm just chilling around camp. I might be fishing. You know, I'm sitting behind the spotter. The weather's not bad. And if and if I am getting some moisture or it's raining a little bit or, or off and on, but the weather's not horrible, you know, meaning just standard shit you deal with, I don't have to worry about that drying that Kelvin Active off. It dries quick. No, it, not at all. And so I wear that thing, you know, even let's say in the antelope blind or whatever, like you were talking about antelope hunting, if you're sitting in a blind, you know, once you're used to that 100 degree day, when it drops down to, let's say, 55 at night, like the last yeah. sunlight, it is not cold, but you think it's cold because you've been dealing with so much heat. Or if I'm just wearing a T-shirt in the blind, I'll throw that thing on. Um, you know, mostly cause I have it on me all the time. Um, yeah. and, 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 yeah. and it's, it's, it's pretty versatile that way. Now, when you talk about, I guess we'll dive into the down synthetic and the, um, the, the ratings I'm going to, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to explain down real quick. And if I screw it up, you can fix it. Um, when you talk about down and synthetic, there are, when you go into the down portion of it, the way that down works is there's going to be different numbers that coincide with the down fill and it'll be a 650 a 750 850 950 and what that's saying like the base base of what it's saying if it's a lower number that means if you took a one gallon glass jar the 650 fill is going to be not as fluffy so it's going to take more 650 fill to fill that one gallon jar than it would the 950 fill because that's a pure or more fluffy duck feather basically uh, so you can fill the glass jar up easier or with less down with the 950 because it's fluffier than you can with the 650 uh, filled down and so 
you're still getting feathers, right? It's just one's got, it's almost like, I guess I'm from the state of Colorado. It's like weed, right? You got more stems and sticks in there. You got more, it's not as pure of a down. So technically you could raise a goose if you treated it like a princess from birth. You could actually, I think they said get over a thousand or 1200 fill down. Um, of course, it'd be an astronomical price point because you've you've raised one goose um, or or specific geese to just be really fluffy. And I'm not a goose expert, but when you go to buy one, if it says six fifty fill, you're not getting a bad product. You're just getting a heavier product. It's not horrible. Yeah. Um, it's just heavier. Yeah, right. And then you have hydrophobic down now. Hydrophobic came on the scene. It's been used in the medical field forever for basically really girthy people that are bedridden or they're injured and the pillow, the down in the pillows, they started treating it so it didn't hold funk um, and bacteria and a bunch of other shit. I'm not a doctor. Um, And then that transferred into the outdoor community, but that originally started in the medical community. And what it's saying is basically the hydrophobic or treated down, it takes more water to get it wet and they say although it's still a pain in the ass it it dries easier but it's still a feather so it's still a pain in the butt um did i fuck that up at all no 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 you've got it you got it correct um let me uh i won't tread lightly but let me make sure i say the right things or people understand what i'm trying to say so if you're if you're inexperienced or new to this backcountry thing it is my strong recommendation that people look to synthetics first as far as lofted insulation, just because, and that could be a sleeping bag or a puffy jacket, whatever the case may be, just because you have to put less thought into it, less effort, you can make some mistakes, and that that synthetic insulation is going to keep you dry in kind of the worst-case scenarios, and... You know, in the case of the sleeping bag, I call it, you know, the last line of defense or like your sanctuary from the elements, you know, um, kind of the last bit of your of your layering system. Um, I just think you have to think about it less. And you can make a couple mistakes and it'll still function. As far as pure down products, so untreated, my opinion is that they have no place in the backcountry. And I want to cl- uh, clarify that. Um, if, you know, if you and I are climbing 14,000 or 20,000 or 25,000 foot peaks in the Himalaya where it's super dry, super cold, you know, there's really not a lot of moisture because just the environment and the temperature there, I think there is a place for, for standard down. Um, but my experience and, and I've, I, I dealt, I dealt pretty deep into this. Um, this treated down, it's absolutely got a place for the backcountry hunter and backcountry traveler. I just think you need to understand everything's got limitations, right? So synthetic generally is going to be a little bit heavier and a little bit more bulky. Um, and the down, no matter what you use, can be a little lighter and compress a little more. But I think you have to put more thought process, more effort into it. You know, my experience has been that if I get into my sleeping bag at night and I'm doing a couple different things, I'm either getting in and my, you know, my socks are damp or, you know, my pants are a little damp or it's cold out and I make the mistake of putting my head in the bag and breathing, you know, all that moisture into my bag. 
um, however the moisture gets into that sleeping bag, under compression, that sleeping bag is going to start to lose its loft. So what I mean by that is when you, when you see the demonstration of treated down, and there's a lot of different ones out there, um, generally it's a, it's a glass beaker, it's got water, and the down feathers float on top, and it's got a cap, and they shake it, and they're like, look, see? See, it doesn't get wet. It doesn't get wet, and that's a, that's true. It doesn't get wet in that in that situation. But all of a sudden, if I have treated down and it does become compromised by moisture, and I lay on it, I put an elbow down on it, be it in a jacket or a, or a down sleeping bag, those feathers, in my experience, do get compressed. They do lose their loft, and I have found that it actually takes longer to dry. Now, this is just my non-scientific no testament. fuck i'm glad you said it because i didn't want to get bashed for it but john said it well, first i'm 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 willing to do it because i want people to understand what they're getting into and just to make sure they're safe but you know i had a lot of so much so let's just give an example so if i'm if i'm hunting arizona or uh i don't know nevada early season something like that where you know it's going to be hot it's going to be dry uh, very low relative humidity. I think treated down products are going to be exceptional, even potentially for the for the inexperienced person, you know. But if all of a sudden you find yourself in the North Country, you know, Canada, Alaska, you're on a float trip, um, you're down in New Zealand and flew in somewhere, like traditionally humid, more damp, wet environments, they have I, I like to call it dynamic weather where it could be nice, you know, 15 minutes from now and then an hour from now be a four day fucking shit storm of rain. Um, you, you may want to consider the loft and insulation that you bring, especially if you're inexperienced, you know, I mean, you and I have been doing it long enough. I know what I'm getting myself into. I, you know, we have access to a lot of stuff and I pick and choose but I know I know what I'm getting myself into. I know how to counteract any of the 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 pitfalls of you know because everything's got a pro and con. Um, I just know how to deal with that. But man, you do one four day storm stuck in a tent in Alaska, and you may really start to question some of your some of your layering choices and and some of the things you brought with you because that's really when the rubber's going to meet the road. And I know not everybody's going to get into that scenario. But, you know, I mean, you've been in scenarios in Colorado. I've been in scenarios in Montana where, you know, you're like, God damn, I'm really glad I I'm really glad I made the right gear choice, you know. And if not, then it just becomes a suffer fest, which in and of itself is a great thing to learn. But, you know, people that are inexperienced, I mean, you have to get some of those under your belt. But I just think you and I are people that can help that learning curve. So with the, the, the treated down and I, and I'm going to, I'm glad you said it cause I was too chicken. I'm not a, uh, I'm a huge fan of down in the right situation. You've already mentioned it, but how I explain it to people, if it's so cold that you can't get wet down's not bad. Meaning yep. you're, you're in Arctic yep. condition. Why would you wear synthetic? Same reason. Like why would you wear down when it's in reverse? Meaning if I'm in BC, uh, British Columbia, if I'm over to where Smithers, North Idaho, uh, now if I'm getting in the truck every day, 
doesn't really matter. This is obviously different, different scenario. Yeah, this is yep. backpack hunting because I'm going to get a bunch of emails that I've used this jacket and it worked fine. And I am proud of you. Ringo's proud of you. John's proud of you too. But for most people, with with down and, and John already mentioned it, you can get your get in trouble fast if the down gets wet. So hypothetically. You are sitting, you're glassing, the weather's been great all day, you're at, you're at 12, 5, 13,000 feet, and, and as you said, the, the dynamic changes in, in weather. You're on the way back to the, uh, the tent, and you just have your down jacket on your pack, um, on the back. You know, you've taken it off, and you, that thing is, is, is um, you know, the outer shell is, is generally not going to be waterproof. So it's just getting pelted as the storm comes in, as you're hiking back. You got a mile and a half. So now your pants are going to be wet because you were too lazy generally to stop and put on rain gear. Some guys aren't. Um, I'm usually too lazy. So your pants are wet, then your socks are wet. Now your boots are wet. This is in a mile and a half, meaning, I don't know, 20 minute hike, 25. You get to your camp, but fuck, you can't find your camp. Okay, the fog moved in. Now you're wandering around in circles and you're questioning, do you take your pack off and put rain gear on? Shit, I'm already soaking wet. We'll find camp super quick. We're going to find it, you know, five minutes. It's got to be here somewhere. So your 20 to 25-minute journey now is pushing 45 to 50 minutes. Your fleece is wet. Your base layer is wet. Your pants are wet. Your socks are wet. That hydrophobic down jacket that you thought was impervious to water has collected some water. Okay, it's it's got some on there a little bit. It's starting to get past that outer shell. It's getting into the to the down, and there's water sitting in there. So now you get in your tent, you strip totally naked, and you basically just throw your jacket in there. You use it as a pillow. It's under your pack. It's propped up. It's squishing water into the down, and so it's basically compressing water into the down probably not the entire jacket you might have a warm right arm and a freezing ass cold left arm whatever the next morning when you wake up you're gonna have to suck it the fuck up put all that wet shit on and you're gonna have to move everything you have is already wet you've totally fucked that up already i'm totally speaking from experience here i've done this many times and i was too lazy to throw rain gear on it's not that bad of a storm on a fine camp quick i didn't find it Everything is wet around me now because it pissed rain all night from that storm. Maybe some of it's frozen, maybe some of it's not, but now I've got to move around when I'm already wet. I can put my rain jacket on, but it's loud and I'm trying to bow hunt. Okay, I'm going to throw this puffy on. Well, my puffy's half worthless. Guaranteed by the end of that morning, it's totally fucking worthless. And then you've got to compress it in your pack. You know, if most guys are going to do, and this is where the inexperience comes from, they're going to throw it in their pack once the sun heats up, they want to dry everything off, or they're going to lay it out in the sun. That is where I found it is way harder to dry hydrophobic down than it was standard down was just laying the shit out in the sun. It just didn't dry fast. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, I agree. You know, I mean, I want to make it clear that, so I've been in plenty of those scenarios as well, like. I've, I've, I've suffered, you know, like you, I've suffered a lot of days out in the field, but I've learned a lot from it. Um, I'm not saying that hydrophobic down in and of itself is like a bad thing. I mean, we make those products. I wear those products, but I know the limitations of them. I would say if you're relatively new to this sport, if you're just getting into it, if, if you're, if you're, you know, dollars are a little constrained and you can't afford to buy a synthetic and a down, you know, puffy and sleeping bag, 
that you, my, I think the better course of action is to choose synthetic because it's just going to be more versatile and you're going to be able to make a few mistakes and get away with it more than if you go straight to quote, you know, the high end, you know, obviously it's more expensive, you know, treated down product. But if you don't understand the pros and cons to each, then you're probably better off going with the more, you know, with the more versatile piece. And I'm sure you'll get hate mail over this, and which is fine because I don't have to read it. But, you know, this is why I tell people, I'm like, you have to just go out there and experience it. And if you really want to know, like, get that jacket wet a little bit. See how long it takes to dry. See if it's going to keep you warm. Like, now is the perfect time, right? So we're spring. Guys can go hunt black bears or pick mushrooms or go scout, just go fish like you do a lot. Man, now's the time to buy your gear and get it out there and try it. Make sure that it lives up to the hype, you know? Well, the, the thing with uh, um, synthetic, um, I call it ball bearing proof, military proof. Um, <laughs> you, It is still going to keep you warm when it's wet. And that's one of the reasons, and I don't use a Kafaru sleeping bag all the time, but I use it a lot. I have a down bag. It's it's pure down. It's not treated. It's a Western mountaineering bag. Um, uh-huh. I do have to stay caught. Oh yeah, some of the best in the world. I have to, it. It does have uh, the one I have has a gore. One of them has a gore windstopper outer shell. Yeah. yeah, and and that helps some. And arguably, some people say it'll trap moisture inside. I haven't seen that yet, but the and then I have like a. I don't know what the outer shell is, 10D, basically paper, right? It's super thin outer shell. You fart, you're going to rip a hole in it. Um, ultralight, you know, sub two pound, 20 degree bag or whatever. And then I have the the Kafaru bag. One of the reasons why I use our synthetic bag is the outer shell is colandered. And so it's a pretty good wind blocker. Um, the synthetic can get soaking wet, but I can wear my clothing into it when it's damp and it'll dry overnight for the most, well, I mean, within reason wet. Um, it'll dry overnight from my body heat or or dry off some. So if you can imagine, I can take a Kafaru bag, and I've done this because I'm a weenie, and I'll glass out of it on the hillside. If I'm only 300 yards from my camp to my glassing point and it's cold, I just get in my bag on the side of the hill. I don't too worry oh, too hell much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I get so cold, and I would never in a million years do that with a down bag, especially an ultralight with that ten D shell, because it's getting some fucking holes. I mean, if you're not careful. Oh yeah, yeah. You'll tear you'll tear the seat out of it right away. So the down the the synthetic or down shell or excuse me puffy is not really any different when you to me when I simplify it because I'm glassing and I'm wearing a down jacket whether it's hydrophobic or not that outer shell is generally like um I say 10d 20d super thin um once it starts raining I have two choices I can put my rain jacket on which is obviously a great option um or I got to take you know, I, I've got to get back under cover because that thing's getting wet. This is where the, the greenhorn side comes in. If you're just right. sitting glass and you're having a good time and it's just a squall, you don't throw your rain jacket on, it makes no difference with synthetic. The thing can get super wet. It's going to dry easy. You are going to have to make a choice anytime water comes into the equation with down or treated down on what you're going to do for the simple fact of once it's wet, it's basically dead weight. You are not going to dry it in the field. I, it, well, 
I highly doubt you will get it dry in the field. It's a pain in the ass. Hell, it's hard to do it at home in the dryer. Um, down is just difficult right. to deal with. Right. Yeah, and so the question is, you know, how much how much emotional and mental effort do you want to put into going, oh, geez, oh, geez, I got I, I to gotta, I gotta take care of my gear because it's delicate. Like, I mean, we all have, quote, delicate gear, but normally it's like your bow or your optics or something like that. Like, that clothing system to me needs to be as indestructible as possible um you know i I was on this was good i want to add to that real quick the other thing is if you put a hole in a synthetic jacket it doesn't matter you take i use two things i have a tiny thing of aqua seal it's like uh you know it's what you like sill net i'll generally you can dab if it's just a hole like i burn the shit out of my jackets because i always build a fire right so i just dab a little on the hole done if you tear it um and you forget you're not going to look like you just got raped by a goose right feathers aren't flying around you're going to have a little uh, synthetic stuff stab it back in there and i'll take tenacious tape and just slap her on there i think that one jacket i got from you guys uh it's the kelvin Oh man, what is it? What's the the uh it's a 2-year-old down one? Nope, it's not down. It's it's synthetic with no hood. Um I got it in a neutral color. It's kind of green. Oh, the Kel- Kelvin Kelvin jacket. Yeah, yeah it was a standard Kelvin. I think that yeah. has seven pieces of Luco tape on it right now. And it's they're not Luco <laughs> tenacious cuz I burn holes in it. I got it caught on branches, but I don't worry about it. I mean, I rip a hole in it, I just kind of stick it back in. I'm not saying do that. I'm just saying with down I'm losing down every hole I get into it because before you catch it, some down is flying out of that thing. That's one of the other pros with synthetic is what I was going to say is is uh, you don't have to worry about that as much. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no. No, for sure. I mean, there's hey, – those are just all things you got to consider. You know, a lot of times when you're making the down product, you want it to be lightweight, so you do go with those lighter faces. And, again, I'm, I mean, there's absolutely times and places for that, you know. I mean – we make them, I, I own them, but, but generally speaking, especially, you know, let's, let's kind of keep it to the, to the people that are still building that experience. I, I think you're better off buying the synthetic product. It's more durable. You can make a few mistakes and still get away with it. Yeah. I don't know. The last thing, one of the last things I did in Alaska, I went on a eight day solo dull sheep hunt on the North side of the Brooks range. So, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, that's like, I don't know, 200 miles above the Arctic Circle or whatever it is, and just shit. You know, I walked in, of course, the weather looked good, and then just absolutely seven straight days of shit after that. And, uh, you know, you're out there, you're glassing, you're you're moving around, you're getting more, you know, wet or, you know, at least a little damp. And every night I'd get in the sleeping bag. Next morning I'd be dry, kind of mentally refreshed, go out and do it again, over and over and over and over again. And if I had chosen the incorrect gear every night that bag would have started losing its its uh warmth right it would have started losing its loft it wouldn't have been as effective and you know when you're by yourself like that i mean it snowed a couple days like yeah you could get yourself in a situation you don't have to go that far to get yourself in a situation you could be three miles up and over a ridge by yourself looking for a black bear and get yourself in a situation in the spring you know and so it just you just got to understand the limitations of everything and um i don't know we should probably we should probably circle back, 
circle back to the layering system a little bit. I mean, I think this is fantastic stuff because it's stuff, quite frankly, most people don't talk about publicly. Well, circling back to the the layering system, um, and 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 I've ordered gear from you for off and on for the last couple three years, meaning from from John Barklow, where I'm like, hey, dude, can you get me whatever? Um, pretty much all of those things are the same, minus me testing stuff and. That is that specific layering system. Um, I've, I don't know. Like, I'm a, a big heavyweight core hoodie guy. I, I'm wearing one right uh-huh. now, actually, as we do yeah. the podcast. Yeah. Um, I bring that thing everywhere. I'm also cold like a bitch constantly. And so where some guys are like, hey, it's 90 out. What do you have that for? And it's like, well, it's not going to be 90 all day, right? So that's my fleece layer. Um and, well, I'll let you go ahead and take away like this, the 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 core pieces of a of a layering system, and then I'll jump back in. Well, so like I said, the the lightest weight is what we call next to skin. Yeah, and most people would call it next to skin. So that layer that goes directly next to your skin is is foundational. Like you don't have a layering system unless you have that. Um, my, my my opinion, because it's really what it does is it's so thin and it's so um, efficient it's going to pull the moisture right off your skin and move it to the next layer ultimately you know if, if the second or third layer are, are a little damp but your skin is not damp then you're not going to feel uncomfortable you're not going to feel chilled um, you know we have a midweight most people have like a midweight and then a heavyweight like you talk to and, and as you look at those as you look at those fabrics those fabrics are not just the same, but thicker as you go through the three layers. They're, they're different. And the reason they're different is because as that moisture moves through the system, um, you have to kind of keep the efficiency up with the textile to continue to move that moisture to the next layer. So, you know, if, if, you're, if your skin is 98.6 and the outside atmosphere is, say, you know, 78 degrees, that moisture is going to want to move to kind of seek equilibrium. But the farther it gets away from your skin, the temperature kind of cools down a little bit. It becomes less efficient to push through those layers. And so that's why you see different structures of the textile, right? So the midweight's a little different. It's got hairs. And then the heavyweight you wear, it's got increased surface area. And so we do that with different grid patterns and things like that. Um, that Kelvin active jacket you talked about, you know, that's an incredibly efficient um, synthetic layering system. And then ultimately when it gets into like a puffy, when that moisture gets into a puffy, like it's not going to move super efficient through that, but it's also not going to compromise the warmth. Like we talked about, it's not going to make that insulation clump or get wet. And even if moisture, some moisture stays in there and and gets trapped. um, Yeah. The garment gets a little heavy, like, or heavier like a lot of them, but it's still going to keep the, the efficiency up. So all those layers are super important. And to just go, well, I'm just going to throw this on and not bring this. You know, I probably have, just like you, I probably have four layers that are, that are my go-to, like consistent go-tos. And uh, if I were to, you know, I would say the core lightweight, my next-to-skin layer, I use that Kelvin Active jacket, which is really kind of equivalent to a heavyweight fleece, but I don't, I don't personally need the heavyweight fleece as well. So I go lightweight, Calvin Active jacket. I'll always bring some kind of puffy depending on the season. And then I'm a huge fan of Windstopper 
um, like our mountain jacket, I think is an incredible piece or the timberline jacket, but cause I can wear that in most light rain, light snow and not have to immediately default to my rain gear. So then the rain jacket would be my fifth layer basically. But, um, you know, that's what I, those are my go-tos. And if it's warmer than the lightweight, the Kelvin active jacket maybe is my only lightweight insulation. And if it gets colder, then I start layering in a, a bigger puffy, you know? Um, but the whole point, like I said earlier, is to move that moisture through the system. You want to move it through the system, and then you also want to protect it from moisture coming in from the outside. So like you said, you cross that creek and you get wet, and most people would say you're fucking crazy, um, and I might be one of them. Because um, drying boots, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about this in a second, but you know what you do for your feet. But, um, but you know the, the next two or three miles you hike to camp that those pants are going to be dry. So, like, who cares? Like, what's the point? Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable, but, you know, you, you probably didn't go out there understanding that you were going to be, like, in the lap of luxury the whole time either. Right, right. And, and as far as the, um, one of the things goes is if you're crossing a creek, depending upon how tall it is and how fast that you, you can negotiate that specific obstacle, if you have gaiters on, um, oh, yeah. you you can get through some shit and not get your boots wet, but amazingly. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't, um, the, the, the footwear thing I should throw in, in context. Um, generally when I do that, I've got a, uh, Kafaru teepee and a wood stove and that nah. solves the problem overnight. Now your boots may shrink and they may not fit anymore, especially if you bought the wrong size to begin with, because you will shrink some fucking footwear by the fire. There's no way around it. I've ruined more boots from that than anything. You know, I left with a 12. They're now 11 and three quarters just from drying them one time by the fire. It's just the nature of the beast. But a lot of times, too, um, I've heated up rocks and I'll throw them in there and that sucks the moisture out of the boot. And I'll be able to do the rest by either, um, you know, walking around by the fire and the, the heat from the fire drying them. But generally the gators um, are, are help me negotiate that obstacle enough to where they're, the, the boots don't get that wet. Um, but it, it can be a problem. And, and so the, 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 the issue is, is when you get to a river crossing in the spring, and this is the lower layering system, okay, not the upper body. If you do not have a way to cross and you want to go fishing bad enough, your ass is crossing the river one way or another, or the creek that looks like a river from the, you know, the, the melt-off. Um, I've got to the point, which is my own fault, um, laziness. If I've walked up 400 yards one way and 400 the other, and I haven't found a place to cross... I'm going to cross that bad boy regardless, hit the trail, start moving. My pants will be dry. You know, you said, you know, two or three miles shit. Inside of a mile, they're generally dry for me. I mean, they're dry quick just from body heat. Um, I know I can build a fire when I get there. It's not a matter of if my body's, you know, I'm not going to be hitting hypothermia. I'm not worried about that. It's the footwear issue drying those. And, and, and generally, I pull my insoles out. I get the stove going inside the teepee. You know, it's normally we're getting there in the afternoon. I just stoke that fire and build it, you know, keep that fire going all night or quite a bit of it, and that'll dry the boots out. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't do it. I'd have to figure out a different system, or I'd, I'd bring some type of waiter to do it. Yeah, yeah, well, I think heaters are incredibly um, underestimated, and, and people don't 
talk a lot about them, but you're right. You get a you get a gator. You know, even if you go a little above the gator and you're crossing pretty quick, like the chances of your boots getting wet or the top of your sock getting wet and wicking it in is is pretty slow. It's pretty small, and then you know if you got gators on and then you just throw rain pants on top of that man you can cross some stuff you almost think you've got a waiter on i mean i would go waiting in them but um you can get away with a lot of stuff you know just doing that but what what i found is go ahead oh i duct tape you know as stupid as it is you duct tape the and i'm not saying throw duct tape on 400 dollars rain pants but i do you duct tape the top of your gator and the bottom of your rain pants yeah, my boots yep. aren't getting wet. That duct tape no. does some wonders. No, 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 not at all. You know, one thing I've I've uh, just lived in Alaska for so long that you know I would do is carry I'd carry um, what they call vapor barrier socks. So I mean, an equivalent would just be like a plastic bag, like a plastic bread bag. But if my boots do get wet inside, and it is cold enough, you know that they're going to freeze at night, kind of deal. Um, I'll just put that dry sock on in the morning and then put that vapor barrier sock over top of it to kind of protect that dry sock and then slide it in the, you know, cold, wet boot. And um, I I normally don't have any issues. I mean, yeah, you're going to sweat a little more than normal, but, um, you know, I found that little trip to help as well. Like, you know, when you're in those wet environments and you're just crossing creeks all the time, like inevitably your boots are going to get wet inside unfortunately like they're harder to drive and it's probably the hardest thing to drive when you're out there to be honest with you is is your boots you know it takes longer and your feet don't generate a lot of heat and you got you know Gore-Tex and leather normally and all kinds of stuff to push moisture through so but you definitely got to consider what you're going to do if they do get wet you know how you're going to manage that right right and yeah, I mean, now that we've kind of covered, um, you know, kind of the pretty, not everything, but quite a bit of stuff, there's two things I want to hit a little bit more. Um, uh, one being some scenario situations, just a couple normal ones that people can relate to. And then the other being, well, you know, we talked about the different type of insulation. We talked about, you know, lighter weight and heavier weight you know, puffy jackets or lighter weight and heavier weight fleece, depending upon the situation. The, the one thing that, um, um, especially what you guys offer, uh, when you talk about the outer layer um, or, or the rain barrier layer, there's, there's several different types. So you talked about the mountain jacket, which is something I've worn a little bit, um, well, more and more a lot lately for the simple fact it does have wind blocker. It's not a rain jacket, but it's certainly what I'd call a squall jacket. It'll it'll keep a, off enough uh, moisture, and in a lot of cases in Colorado, that's enough. And then you have the standard Gore-Tex rain jacket. You know, you, just, you, you got pit zips, it's a rain jacket. And then you have, which is one of my favorite because I do get cold, you're got, you guys have a cold front jacket, and that has like a fleece. Um, it, it's it's definitely heavier, but it's got a fleece lined kind of a inner layer, and then it's a waterproof outer layer. Um, th- those all call those are all. Um, I hate to say met T dependent, but that is uh, um, the <laughs> that is the that will really depend on the situation that you're forced with dealing with. Some people might say, I don't want to use the cold front if the fleece gets wet. 
um, you know, or whatever. And I'm thinking personally, if I'm to the point where it's that bad, where the fleece is wet, I'm probably all wet anyway. I'm wet, wet anyway, and I want that added heat um, to it. Mm-hmm. But I get mm-hmm. so cold a lot of times when I'm above tree line and you're getting into the more inclement weather. Um, I will choose that cold front as an added layering, you know, portion for heat layering system. Um, I mean, how do you feel about that on that outer, outer layer? What are your thoughts behind it? So if you're going into, you know, those northern environments like I talked about or down in New Zealand, like where you're definitely going to, you know, you're, you know it's going to rain, like 100% it's going to rain, um, then I think you need to bring dedicated rain gear. I, I You know, I just... You, you're, you're kind of fucked if you don't. Colorado, you know, I haven't spent as much time, obviously, as you, but if you get those squalls, like things like the mountain jacket and those those wind, you know, those wind stopper layers, they've got such a robust DWR, and, and generally speaking, you're not standing around, you're moving, like you're going to stay dry. But, um, you know, you, you, you do need to consider, I mean, lightweight rain gear doesn't have a lot of features, and that's probably fine for the through kind of backpacker hunter. And then, you know, some of them like the cold front have a lot more features, which, I mean, you're probably one of the few people I know that, that wear the cold front as much. I know a lot of guides that do it for sure, but you know, they're riding horses or there's a lot of static glassing and things like that. So that fire on the back, is just, you know, like you said, it's that added warmth and, um, and just keeping wind off you, you know, as well, is just is critical for me anyways to staying warm. If I can keep the damn wind off my neck and my lower back, like, I generally feel pretty warm out. But, yeah, if you're going into wet environments, you have to have dedicated rain gear. You will, you know, you get hypothermia, you're kind of done, you know. And uh, so, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, everything you said and, and again, it, it, it is so dependent upon the person's body type, um, or the, the area that you're in. I mean, you guys make pretty much everybody makes basically what I consider disposable rain jacket, the, uh, the ultra lightweight weenie version. Um, I can't, you guys have a pullover. What the hell's that thing called? Um, flash pullover. the flash pullover. That's a straight up Colorado rain jacket. Not going to rain much, yeah, right. just enough to get off of you. There's no underbrush to rip holes in it. I bring it all the time. I keep it in my, my, my backpacking or my, my training pack all the time just in case it rains, I throw it on. I can get by a lot in Colorado with that. You know, when you're talking to that nine to 10,000, even up to 11,000 foot elk hunting, um, not much rain. The the thing is, is if I wore that in BC, I, I mean, it, people have to understand it's not going to make it more than a few bust brushing days through the willows, probably one before it's, you know, religious and holy. That's just how it is. That's what it's, it's designed to be ultra light. It's not designed to be durable. And in construction, we used to say you can have quality, quantity, or cost efficiency, and you can pick any two of those you want. It's a lot of the same with, with gear or with, with clothing. You know, you're going to be giving up something. If you want extreme warmth, you're probably going to be giving up some weight, right? It's not going to be ultra lightweight. Um, you know, if you want extreme lightweight, you're going to be giving up some of the system um, or some durability. I mean, you can't have it all. And it's the same with rain right. gear. I mean, but no matter what, it's going to have to match the area you're hunting and your body type, or, or you can get yourself in trouble. The thing that happens a lot where guys are giving advice online. Um, 
is they're giving good advice in, in their mind from the trips they've taken out west. And in Colorado mm-hmm. in September, it's pretty much easy peasy. I mean, it's pretty cake other than right. your lungs are burning. Um, when we hit those sheep and goat hunts in uh, later August, November time frame, when you're up above tree line, that's where shit really hits the fan. I mean, that's where you can get yourself in trouble. And this really, really makes more of a difference than, than you know, any other time. And you know, just a few you know, scenarios and we'll hop off here. Just a couple, um, you know, we went over one earlier where you're going back to camp and it starts to rain or your school, you know, whatever, right. You, you're starting to get wet. Um, where I find, you know, you're dressing up, you're layering up and you're layering down, um, uh, obviously to control your body temperature. That's the whole idea behind this layering system, the outer elements in the end, a lot of times that seems to get uh, not abused, but not used um, as efficiently as it could. One of my suggestions is, you know, as you're layering up and you're layering down, you need to take, be very conscientious of drying out each piece as you can, whether that be on your body, by a fire. Um, because if you get yourself into a position, and you mentioned it up earlier, where, you know, you know, Wednesday morning with six days left in the hunt, everything you have is soaking wet and the weather is not going to break. You're really putting on a wet system every day for the next five days where that'll push you off the mountain. Where if maybe the five days prior where you did have some good weather, you could have spent a little more time taking care of that system than you had been. And I think that's extremely important as well. When you can dry your shit out, you need to dry it out. It needs to be a focal point or it is for, for me. Um, I don't know what you, how you feel about that. Yeah. I don't think people, I don't think people see that. I mean, it's, it's, you know, how do you show that? Right. Like some of the things you do, um, you don't, you don't actually see the folks that are good at it doing it because, you're kind of efficient, you're layering, you're unlayering, you know, like you said, you're hanging off your pack, you're, you're hanging up when you get to camp, like you're so efficient at it, but I don't know. I, I spent so many years wet. I like to say I'm kind of hydrophobic. Like I'm, I don't want to say I'm scared of water, but I, like, I don't enjoy it anymore. Like I like to stay dry, you know? Um, and so I'm constantly thinking about, you know, how am I going to dry off? What am I bringing? You know, how do I, you know, how do I dry this? What's the most efficient way to do it? Because um, you're, you're right. When, when the shit does hit the fan, if you haven't kind of kept up on that, um, that, that's when things can really go south. And that's why I say if folks are starting out and, I mean, we're all limited on, on finances, that I think you're better off to buy the most versatile pieces and maybe stay away initially from some of the, quote, you know, super specialized stuff like the super lightweight stuff or, you know, the, the super, you know, the super high end down pieces, just because you, you're going to need to learn how to, how to work those things and get the most efficiency out of them. And, and, um, those more specialized pieces are going to take more effort on your part. They're going to take, they're going to take a more thoughtful approach and, you might not have the mind space to do that and hunt at the same time, you know? And, um, you know, unfortunately I see it all the time. Like you said, guys are like, well, I'm not going to buy this cause it's two ounces heavier than that. It's like, yeah, but they're completely different pieces. And for whatever reason, like, you know, they just don't, they don't understand 
the purpose of each. Yeah, for, for yeah, I 100% agree with that. And um, I think one of the things I'm going to do with, with, with Amy this weekend when we're going on this backpacking trip is kind of do a video where people can see the different layering, you know, the, the different pieces, but also kind of go through, like, I think I, I called you, I don't know, three days after I got the new core heavyweight hoodie, and I was like, hey, dude, this thing dries way faster. And you're like, yeah, 30%. Well, I, I, I had guessed that, you know, maybe a little quicker than that, I thought, um, from all the testing I'd done before. Um, that is the, this is the time of year to figure that out. And 30%, if you don't think that's that big of a deal, you're crazy. The, drawing 30% faster, for those little things are what helps keep you happier on the mountain. And so I, I strongly suggest for guys to you know, to, to screw around with that and learn that. And, and if it starts in your house, get that fucker wet in the sink, throw it up, see how long it takes to dry in the sunlight compared to another piece. It's not like you have to go climb K2. You can do it in your driveway. Right. I mean, you can at least start, I, you know. Yeah. I encourage people to do that. I mean, hunting season's only so long, right? And so what do you do the rest, the rest of the year? You talk I shit mean, on the when, internet. You know, we're all... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so even if you get on the internet, like at the end of the day, like, you know, people shouldn't necessarily at face value, you know, believe me or you, although we've got lots and years and years and decades of experience. But ultimately, like, folks need to go figure that out for themselves and see what works for them. And and that's where I'm just really encouraging, like, go do it, man. Like, go get your base layer wet, put it on, you know, put it in a bucket, put it on, put a pack on and go do your training hike. See how long it takes to dry out, you know. Um, one of the things I like to say is, you know, people, the hunter, they need to be an active participant. And what I mean by that is none of this is like superhero stuff. Like, you know, anything I make or you make or anybody else makes, you you can't just put it on and expect it to, to be foolproof. Like you need to understand and learn the system. But nonetheless, it's like you give your kid who's 16 and just got his license, the key to the sports car. And he's, he's like having the time of his life because he grounded in the second or third gear and got it up to 50 miles an hour. Right. And I'm like, no boy, move over. It's got six gears and it actually goes 150 miles an hour. And all of a sudden you truly understand the benefit and, and you know, potential the, um, the, the potential of what you got. And so, it's like, if you're not going out and trying these things, like, like I didn't even have to say anything to you. And you're just like, dude, this thing dries so much quicker. I'm like, yeah, actually lab tests show 30%, you know? And you said, well, it even seems quicker, you know, to me. And it's like, yeah, outside the lab, it might be, but like you were tuned into that because that's what you do. And, um, so if, you know, if people don't understand really what they've got and how it works for them, then they're not going to, you know, none of this stuff is cheap. I mean, let's just be honest. Like it's, it's not. But if this is something you really want to do and you value, you know, your your safety and you want to go have a good time and ultimately be successful, either catching a fish or killing a bull or whatever it is, like this is now's the time to like buy that stuff and try it out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, man, we're hitting almost an hour and 30 and I'm actually blowing a guy off on my phone that's wanting me to do a podcast with him. So I should probably hop off this thing. (laughs) But uh, hopefully this helps out a lot of guys and keeps me from returning emails. I can just have them listen to the podcast. I really appreciate you um, going over this stuff with me. Yeah, dude, I always, uh, 
I always enjoy talking to you and appreciate you reaching out and letting me let me have a voice. So I don't know. You you might find out you get more emails now. Yeah, who who knows? I don't have to answer them, I guess. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, have fun at, at work today. I'm going to hopefully don't piss this guy off enough. He doesn't call me and uh, hop on this other podcast, man. But thank you so much for everything. All right, Aaron. All right, have a take, good day, man. Take it easy.